Helen. Hey, Kimberly. So, lucky listeners, we have a fantastic triple treat coming up. And this is part one with the amazing Protect and Prepare officers from the fabulous NERCU, um, which stands for the Northeast Regional Cybercrime Unit. And disclaimer, other regional units exist as well. Um, so we met Claire at the Northeast Ladies Hacking Society Ada Lovelace Day, and she was amazing. So we wanted to invite NERCU back uh, to tell us more about what they do. And it's pretty cool. They offer a lot of cyber services and advice for many different purposes. They do, yes. So in this episode, we're going to broadly discuss threats to business. Um, with the advice and tools available, they're not just for huge organisations who have enterprise cybersecurity professional teams. It's actually practical, effective, um, protective controls and measures that small and medium-sized companies can implement as well. Yeah, it's a really good episode. So do let us know if you enjoy it and watch out for the second and third instalments that will be coming soon. We're going to continue to talk to the NERCU about general cyber advice for the public and cyber choices to help steer talented people to use their cyber skills for good. So let's get to it and introduce you to Claire from the NERCU. Enjoy. Enjoy. So um, welcome back, Claire. Um, you kindly joined us um, for an episode of the Northeast Ladies Hacking Society event on our celebrating Ada Lovelace Day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I learned a lot that day as well. It was really interesting. Oh, love I think we all did. Mm -hmm. um, so to anyone who wasn't at that event, um, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the, the four specialist cyber protect and prepare officer for Northumbria Police. Um, and I sit within the, the four specialist cyber investigation team, uh, along with um, two DCs who do the investigation side of things and another couple of civilians. I'm civilian as well, who carry out a number of different kind of proactive community engagement um, activities. OK, so. So that is that what a cyber protect officer actually is then or do you do anything else? Yeah, so there's um, a number of different things that I do. Um, in terms of my proactive work, um, I'll go out to businesses, contact them, speak to them um, about the free support that I can give them. Um, that's businesses within Northumbria Police's area. Um, but I also work really closely with my colleagues um, within Durham and Cleveland Police and also at our regional office at NERSU which is a Northeast Regional Cybercrime Unit. Um, so each of the police forces and that regional office all have their own dedicated cyber protect officers that do the same thing. Um, and it's basically making them aware of what cybercrime is, what cybersecurity is, and what they can do to keep their businesses and their networks safe. Um, I also do support victims of cybercrime. Um, so if there isn't really any kind of lines of inquiry, um, but they have reported to um, an organisation called Action Fraud, um, that they've been the victim of a cybercrime, and that could be something like, um, you know, their, their networks have been hacked or their business email has been hacked, then... I can speak to them and give them support um, after maybe the uh, detectives have dealt with them um, or if there isn't any lines of inquiry, they'll come straight through to me. Um, and again, I just give them that kind of aftercare to make sure that they put the procedures in place to prevent it hopefully from happening again. Okay. So, so does that mean that you handle convictions and prosecutions, Claire? 
No, not me personally. Um, I'm a civilian, so I'm not trained to do that. Um, so we do have two dedicated detectives on our team. Um, and if there's any lines of inquiry, any reports where they feel that there's, a, you know, a chance to, you know, kind of, yeah, get a conviction or, you know, locate who's actually committed the crime and, and prosecute, it goes to the detectives to investigate. But what we find a lot with, with cybercrime, um, with businesses and with individuals, um, is just due to the nature of the way in which it's carried out, it sometimes can be really difficult to actually have any lines of inquiry because they're quite good at covering their tracks um more so with uh, individuals than businesses um and as a result what uh, what they do is the the kind of action fraud will decide whether or not it's going to go to detectives to investigate or whether it'll come to myself or my colleague um charlotte just for some support and advice just to make sure they don't become a victim again okay and do you generally deal more with individuals or with businesses I think from um, a victim point of view, it's more with individuals because they tend to be the reports which don't really have any lines of inquiry. And that's the kind of thing that is like, you know, social media hacking or online account um, hacking in general um, and phishing emails, things like that, phishing texts. Um, and they're kind of quite general. So they, they don't tend to have any um, trace that we could kind of link them back to who's committing it. Um, in terms of the business, I connect with them more on a proactive um, level. So the detectives will refer their business victims to me once they've obviously completed their investigation so that I can give them that aftercare support. But also on a regular basis, on a daily basis, I'm carrying out engagement activities um, with businesses within my area, but also with my colleagues at Durham and Cleveland and at the region to do kind of regional um, engagement activities. A lot of that used to be in person. But obviously, since lockdown, we've kind of migrated online. So we're doing quite a bit of webinars and communication via social media and, and newsletters and things like that. Right. And I just wondered um, the way with other crimes, um, how things like victim support would get involved as well, possibly afterwards. Do, do you find with cyber crimes, do victims need that kind of support as well? Is it is it like a, a sort of like a personal attacks the way people perceive it or um is it yeah. more just actual advice of how to prevent this and how to overcome it yeah so so what victims will do when they complete the report to action fraud now action fraud just for those of you who don't know they're the national um fraud and cybercrime reporting center um they're administered by the city of london police but they're part of the national fraud intelligence bureau um and as such are obviously kind of you know um governed by um, the government and, and all those relevant organisations that are connected with investigating fraud and, and cybercrime. And so the reason we ask individuals to report directly to action fraud is for intelligence gathering purposes, um, because a lot of fraud online um, and cybercrime, it doesn't have any boundaries. And we do find that there might be similar kind of um, methods happening throughout the country and sharing that information helps our officers to be able to you know investigate interrogate and also mitigate against um, you know trends that might be happening that have been identified but then what happens is action fraud will then send that out to the relevant police force within um, the uh, you know the, the, the country within um, England and Wales so when they fill in that form it says do you want victim support now when they tick yes, they come through to us and we're aware of that. When we speak to the victims and we say, oh, I see you've ticked 
um, victim support. Now, this is we've got something called Victims First Northumbria in our um, region, in our area. And obviously, Cleveland and Durham have their own um, victim support services as well. Every single time um, they say, oh, well, no, you've given me the victim support that I've needed. And so the other victim support, like you say, is for the types of crimes where it is more personal and they need that extra maybe support with, you know, um, personal issues such as financial support or getting rehoused, you know, if it's a um, if it's a domestic situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. OK, that makes sense. Um, so I was wondering if you could um, tell us a bit more about any the most prevalent threats that you're um, actually seeing at the moment. Yeah, so um, we're seeing quite a lot of uh, ransomware attacks uh, on businesses, um, in particular the education sector. Um, now, I know that that kind of really started last year, just as all the schools and universities were trying to get back to some kind of, um, you know, academic year in September time. And obviously a lot of the universities and schools were remaining online and trying to deliver classes online. Fortunately, um, I, I said unfortunately there, I don't know if it came out as fortunately, but it's not fortunate. Um, unfortunately, the cyber criminals took advantage of that and um, managed to exploit a lot of vulnerabilities that a lot of education sectors had in their networks. Um, and once they get into the networks, they then will encrypt the data or they will just block access to the databases and the servers with the relevant data on it. And all they will see is on one of their computers is like a ransom note saying, you know, your data has been locked in order to release it back to yourselves. You've got to pay this amount of money. And it's usually it's always in cryptocurrency now. Um, yeah. And in the, uh, in the case of education, I saw a lot of foreign students being targeted as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not just for, for cybercrime, but for fraud as well, like online fraud yeah. being used as um, money mules. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of that where they've been tricked into um, believing that they're student you know bank account has been hacked or compromised and they've got to withdraw the money and put it somewhere else and whilst all of that's going on and you know everybody's kind of running around trying to get online to, to do the studies you can understand why they're, they're such easy targets unfortunately mm. yeah yeah away from home vulnerable i know it's yeah. um, it's Sec tricky, english is it? their second language you know yeah. and a lot of them unfortunately have very basic understanding of just kind of conversational language they'll have yeah. a really good understanding of the language of the subject subjects they're studying mm -hmm. but yeah and this is what the, the criminals are taking advantage of gosh a shame. yeah it's just made me think about um when I spent a year in Thailand and um I was I was teaching over there I wasn't studying mm. and even though all the communication I was getting from banks and landlords were in, was in English yeah. um you're very vulnerable and so I was just yeah like answering things clicking things sending money when people asked and just yeah. thinking if people are doing that here say in a second language as well you, you're so vulnerable Absolutely. Yeah, because it's a massive culture change. I mean, I used to work for Durham University, so I saw that firsthand and I worked in one of the colleges and we had a lot of international students. And that was one of the key things that we were made aware of as staff working there was just be aware this is a huge culture shock. You know, it's not just about the language, it's the way of life. Mm -hmm. It's what they expect is OK in terms of what they can do or are supposed to do. So to them, they might have just thought, oh, well, this must be normal. Yeah. So what kind of ransomware are you seeing them being targeted with? Are they actually are they actually getting their information back once they've 
pay the cryptocurrency or is it? Um, well, I'll be honest with you, because I'm not involved in the investigations, um, yeah. I'm, I'm only kind of privy to certain amount of information, understandably. Um, what tends to happen in general is that they will manage to actually recover the data from backups. And so therefore they don't need to pay the ransomware. Very good. Well yeah. done. Yes. Yeah, Phew. Back Well done. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like one of the big, big things and, you know, yeah. back yeah. up to yeah. something which isn't connected to the other network. And Offline, to the hard copy, back up. Yeah. Yes. Well done. It's like we're going back to, you know, pen and paper and hard drives <laughs> and floppy disks and things like that. And it's like, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's a, it's not just for businesses, but for, you know, individuals yeah, as well, yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so most of them um, have managed to get it from the backups. Um, if the backups sometimes are compromised, then yeah, that's a bit of a nightmare. But luckily we, we haven't seen anywhere they've had to pay um, the ransom um, so far. As, as far as we're aware in, uh, in well, the ones that we've dealt with. Well, I'm touching wood right now that that yeah. continues to be the case. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's grand. And how, how, are, they, how are they targeting them with, with the ransomware? Um, so it's most of the time we see it's going to be one of two things. Um, they'll be exploiting a vulnerability within the network. So that'll be something like, you know, some software hasn't been patched. I mean, I know we'll, we'll talk about the, the Microsoft exchange server vulnerability in a moment. I mean, more detail, but it's things like that. Um, it's happening on a daily basis. We're seeing alerts coming through from various sources saying, you know, this needs to be patched or we've just had an update that uh, there's a, this vulnerability, you need to do this. Um, and understandably, you know, a lot of businesses um, just can't keep up with it. Um, and, and unfortunately, that means, you know, the, the cyber criminals can, can get, get in. And often what we find is that they'll, they'll sneak their way in and they'll sit dormant for a good couple of months, just kind of, you know, having a little mooch about on the networks, just seeing what's on there and how they can get into different, you know, locked places and trying to get onto admin accounts. And yeah, they're just, you know, they'll just sit there for months on end. And then all of a sudden they'll just attack. And that's what we found with a lot of the education sectors is because obviously they're not in the building they're not using the computers during the summer break everybody was starting to work from home anyway because of the lockdown so that was an extra thing that the cyber criminals took advantage of they were able to to really kind of just go completely unnoticed and then obviously as everybody started to kind of get back online um some people were obviously going back into the the buildings as such um that's when they're like right okay now we'll attack now because this is when they're going to be the most vulnerable when they're trying to kind of get back up um the other thing is phishing, phishing emails. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot at the moment, not just with the education sector, but in general with businesses, um, business email accounts are being hacked. And that even if you're, you're hosting it with Microsoft, because you're the one who sets the password still. Um, and if it's a password, which is easily guessable or potentially it's already been leaked in a previous data breach if you you shouldn't be but if you're using a password that you've used previously um slap on the wrist if you are in a business um and business email addresses are out there anyway most of them can be guessed if not they're on the website etc um on linkedin etc so um 
they can be quite easily um, hacked into. And if they haven't got what we call two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication or two-step security, that second layer of security, which should just literally be a given on all accounts where you can get it, you know, individual and business, because um, it's proven to be massively successful in stopping these attacks and attempts. It's so simple, isn't it? I mean, I know. If you Google on your phone, like an authenticator app, then yep. you'll see some very familiar names pop up yep. with authenticators that you can just download and use for free. And yep. like you just scan the QR code, don't you, on the website to link yep. it up. Yeah. It's super easy. And it's done. Yeah. It's done. And most of the time when you're setting up new accounts these days, you'll find that that's part of their process now. It's just yeah. set up. So they will ask for a mobile number or a second email address that they can use to verify yeah. you. Um, a lot of, I mean, if I've got to log into certain accounts just as a standard thing, they will always send me a code to my mobile before I even get past the door, you know, before I even actually get into the account. Um, never mind trying to make any changes. Um, but yeah, so what we're finding was, unfortunately, it's weak passwords um, and or lack of that, you know, second layer of security. Phishing emails um, will then be sent from that business account to other members of the organization of the business. Often it's, oh, can you, you know, can you um, just pay this invoice for me? Mm. The file attached, that might contain some kind of malicious software. As soon as that's clicked and opened, that's downloaded onto the computer. Often they're trying to kind of target people in positions of power that have access to really lucrative, you know, information such as accounts and are able to pay money from the financial accounts. Um, and, you know, and then that's it, game over. Um, sometimes it's not that they want to put something onto the, the system. They actually send that email and say, oh, can you send this to a different bank account? But because it's come from your colleague's email address, because that's been hacked, or they can even spoof it, uh -huh. you might well do. And then you send the money. And that happens a lot, you know, that kind of like invoice fraud where they'll kind of intercept a payment and say, oh, by the way, you know, they do it with people buying houses. They'll, they'll spoof the solicitor's email address and say, oh, we've just changed our bank account detail. Can you send it to this one instead? So, yeah, lots, lots of different ways and techniques, but it tends to be poor security that uh, yeah okay and so these types of phishing attacks are you finding that the generally sort of really targeted spear phishing attacks or just the more broader spray and prey attacks yeah i think with businesses it's definitely more um spear phishing um you know these cyber criminals will be looking for specific businesses that will have some decent amount of maybe money or some kind of valuable data um and it's i know it's awful to say but it's you know they're not discriminatory either they'll go for charities they'll go for trusts because there's an awful lot of um information on there that might that could be valuable um and also that they're you know these trusts are getting grants from the government so they, they probably will have quite a bit of money going through their systems um and so Spear phishing definitely for businesses, for individuals, it's always much more just of a broader kind of, you know, general spray and prey phishing attack where they're just sending out hundreds of thousands and just hoping they'll get a few back. Gosh, it's terrible, but, isn't it? I know. It is a bit, it is a bit. But I'm going to pull you back to Hafnium that you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> so the Hafner MS exchange, like zero day, I think really illustrates just how swiftly environments can change, cyber environments can change for businesses actually, and, yeah. and everyone's affected, you know, globally. So this attack, um, so we're, we're the end of March recording this now, but this attack mm -hmm. is currently only affecting on-premise exchange servers from yeah. 2010 onwards, 2010, 2013 and 2016, I think. Mm -hmm. But as a yeah. major venue vendor, you know, this is obviously major news for everybody. So before I ask you the question, I'm going to go to Kimberly and say, Kimberly, can you tell our listeners what a zero day is, please? Oh, it's like education corner, isn't it? <laughs> we, we try. Well, um, yeah, zero days. Um, from what I know, the generally um, hackers and attackers try and hold on to them, and really, they're not just going to waste them on just any old um, any old hack. So they're um, a loose term for recently discovered vulnerability or exploit and that a hacker's gonna to use to attack a system. And the, the thing about it being zero day is that there's been no patch or no known way of um, mitigating it. So um, yeah, they're the, the quite a scary thing and it's quite tricky to, to know what's what to do about them. Yeah, because they're yeah. only really known by the attacker themselves, mm -hmm. aren't they? So That's the thing, it, yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, and Microsoft at this point have attributed the attack with high confidence to Chinese hackers. So, so really the question is, how does a motive of, you know, espionage against primarily US targets mm -hmm. actually affect the rest, the rest of us across the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also here. Yeah, on our here. Yeah, and here because of it. So, 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 can you talk a little bit about that transition? Why something that big and that targeted and that specific for Hafnium yeah. is actually affecting us today? Yeah, well, this is actually um, a, a problem which I've kind of spoken to our local businesses about in general anyway, because we often get the kind of, you know, the response of, but we're tiny, we've got no money, we've got no real kind of, you know, valuable data, um, you know, what do they want with us? You know, the, why, why are the, you know, the big, big kind of, you know, state sponsored um, attackers wanting to kind of get into our networks? And it's like, well, yeah, they might not want anything from you they might actually just want to use your network to infiltrate um, a larger network and carry out a larger scale attack. Um, you know, so, so basically they, they, they can access things like email data, they can install additional malware to create, you know, permanent backdoor access for future use. A bit like what I said with the universities, they'll just sit there and wait until it's time to attack. Um, and they, you know, they just see any business as, as a, you know, a tool um, and they'll create what we call like a network of computers or a network of robots. And from that, you'll probably have heard the term botnet. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we speak about that when we, we talk about something called a denial of service attack, um, you know, which is where they'll use one computer or if it's distributed denial of service attack or DDoS, you might have heard of. Um, where they'll use a group of computers which have been taken over by the hacker to flood another business's, a targeted business's network with so much traffic, it brings them down and stops them from operating. Um, and yeah, so that's what we call a botnet. And this is how it does actually affect us on a local level and a national yeah. level as well as international. Yeah, and I think, you know, whereas the, the state-sponsored actors, so we're going after specific targets because yeah. they've exploited that zero day, cyber criminal gangs 
and are like, oh, hang on, let, 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 let me trailblaze on this. Absolutely. And let me make the most of these types of, uh, of threats as well. So I think, I think one of the things that they've seen in the um, environment is that some cyber criminals are using Deer Cry, which is a, what I've read is a bit of a rubbish version of WannaCry. Oh, right, to try, yeah. and, try and encrypt it. And then there's uh, Black Kingdom. That's currently reported as being exploited out in the wild. And, uh, and that's more cyber criminals that are trying to, you know, um, optimise, if you like, on the yeah. vulnerability to, mm-hmm. see, to, to see what they can get to. So it's actually quite complex. When a zero day like, like this happens, it is important for businesses to think, oh, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it's not, not maybe I'm not the direct target, mm-hmm. but I'm being impacted and I still need to take precautions, yeah. don't we? Absolutely, yeah. And for anybody who's listening, Microsoft have got a blog on this and lots of indicators yes. of compromise and lots of simple instructions for all kinds of businesses to use. So don't panic. Yes, we'll yeah, put those in the notes, won't we? <laughs> we will, definitely, yeah. definitely. I guess that's why it's so important for companies to do sort of reviews of where they're at and check their sort of access control and um, check what credentials are being used as well mm-hmm. absolutely yeah I mean a lot of the the young um, the kind of smaller businesses outsource a lot of their IT support anyway mm-hmm. so we do find that you know it's a dedicated IT support company um, you know already kind of on the ball with this which is brilliant but you will still have certain kind of you know devices or a network which is local to their their office or now it's their home which also still needs to be you know kept an eye kept an eye on and you know kept updated um so yeah it's still something that they they need to be aware of even if they've got that ex- external support mm. well, i'm a bit curious as we've got a police officer on well a civilian police officer on today's <laughs> podcast i'm curious about the types of threat actors that are, that are actually behind these campaigns um so like the organized criminal gangs mm. you know are they ocgs or are they individuals or are they just people playing around with code and just seeing what mischief they can get up, in, up to you know who is it that's yeah. targeting businesses and claire yeah. i guess for any anyone's not a line of duty fan do you want to even say what an OCG is? Because not everyone knows that, you see. <laughs> the cheers. I think a lot of people <laughs> were like, yeah. I mean, I didn't know What's that phrase. I didn't know that until I started the police and it even took me a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yes, an OCG is an organised um, crime gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're finding now is, in answer to um, Helen's question, it's, it's basically for, for businesses, most of the, t- the time, it's um, it's individuals or those OCGs or what we tend to call now OOCGs because they're online organised crime gangs. Uh-huh. What we're finding is that with the traditional, for want of a better word, um, OCGs who used to carry out more traditional frauds, they have jumped on the bandwagon along with the cyber criminals and gone, wow, you know, it's just so much easier to carry out this fraud online. Um, And yeah, that's growing massively. Um, So we're finding that it's not just cyber crime in terms of, you know, where a a device has to be used to attack another device or some kind of ICT. It could be that they're just using it to carry out a traditional fraud, but using computers, telephones, you know, text messages, um, 
to, to kind of carry out that, that type of fraud. So, for example, we had a spate of courier fraud recently in our region, um, and it was all done through somebody ringing up a member of the public, a victim, saying that their bank account had been compromised. The person on the phone was pretending to be from the police, saying, oh, you need to transfer all your money out of your bank account into this safe account, or you can go and withdraw it and we'll send somebody round and collect it for you. And so that's why it was called courier fraud, because a lot of people were like, were taking the money out. And then actually people were coming to their address and taking the money off them. And these people believed this was the police. Um, and so, yeah, as much as that's kind of, that is more, you know, done in person, they're using technology a lot more um, to actually help them to commit these crimes. So in terms of businesses, absolutely it could be these ocgs but a lot of the time it's not it's individuals now individuals will be doing the kind of spear phishing targeted attacks you know that if they're going to spend their time trying to get into a business it's for a particular reason um people playing about with code there's a term that is kind of thrown around which is called script kiddies um which is you know referring to you know the younger generation who are curious and are just basically you know going on the internet, they've got these skills, they want to know how to do things. There is so much out there now that they can find in order to actually just carry out an attack by the click of a button. They can download a piece of software that's done it for them, or they can, like you say, download a script and type the code in just as yeah. the script is telling you. Um, and that is usually more experimental, uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't get to businesses because we have had some instances where, yeah, there's been some, what we call script kiddies, experimental people, um, actually getting into businesses sometimes getting into their own schools so, but we won't say any more about that I've got <laughs> they are with appropriately. My school. <laughs> there's a little bit of it where it's just like yeah you school kids but now I'm, not, I'm like no school kids not supposed to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly thank goodness um and so how often do you find these the perpetrators of the cyber crime attacks are uk based um and target the people in the UK or other crimes um, cross national and transnational borders? Yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a mixture of the, of both. Um, like I said earlier, you know, cybercrime doesn't really have any boundaries. It doesn't discriminate positively or negatively. It literally will, you know, kind of um, take its chances anywhere. And that's the same with the individuals um, carrying it out. Um, we do find that it tends to be that businesses within our kind of um, country, uh, you know, our area potentially could be targeted from outside. And then we might get notification from an external law enforcement, you know, an international. We've had contact from the FBI in the past, um, Europol, where we've got individuals in our country targeting their businesses. I think a lot of that is down to them trying to obviously um, hide the tracks, cover their tracks um, by obviously kind of bouncing around different servers around the world um, yeah. using something called a VPN mm -hmm. um, and, you know, kind of hiding behind a number of different servers before um, they, they kind of meet their target. What and legislation as well, isn't it? And, oh, yeah. You know, avoid yeah. legislation because if they're using different VPNs on there for in a different country when they're perpetrating the crime, yeah. it's very hard to prosecute, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And we find that we will probably get a lot of people targeting us from countries where we don't have a good relationship with their law enforcement. So then, 
we're not able to actually engage with that law enforcement to, to carry out any kind of investigation or prosecution. Um, so, yes, they're aware of that. So you're absolutely right, Helen. Yeah. Um, within the country, what we will find is with businesses and with individuals, sometimes they are carried out by actual people they know so it could be for businesses a disgruntled employee or a competitor we've actually had that recently um obviously it's, it's an open investigation so i can't really go into detail but it does happen um and individuals it it could be um you know if, it, if it's a domestic situation off you know often that could be the reason why um but often we'll find that I think this is where the script kiddies are coming in, where we'll find individual social media accounts are getting hacked into. And when we look into where the IP address is coming from, it's just somewhere else in the UK. And it, and it sometimes, you know, it tends to be that they're just messing about and they've just got lucky and they've managed to buy a load of um, stolen data off the dark web. And they're just having a bit of a play just to see what they can do. Mm. Well, maybe we should do a shout out for that. Um... That website for you all to check is it um, have I been pwned.com? Yes. Yeah, it's yes. a good one to check if your um, email or your credentials have been compromised, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're a kind of have an account with any of the, you know, the online credit score companies, mm -hmm. um, I think most of them now actually use that website to provide a monthly check service, which is free. I've signed up to it um, with. Um, I think it's with ClearScore. I mean, I've got them all. Um, and yeah, so that's free. So you don't even have to check the website yourself if you just want to sign up to these, you know, these other um, organisations which are doing it for you, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and, I and yeah, to check it out. And I think if if you do find out that you, 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 your data has been leaked, then there is advice on the website or from those organisations to what you can do. But that's yeah. actually something that... Um, I'll be talking about in one of our next podcasts with my colleagues so I won't go into too much detail but yeah just a little yeah. teaser. Yeah so one of the things that, that I think struck me there was actually talking about um, I saw I saw Frank Abagnale chat at a cyber conference so he does a lot of he does a lot of talks these days so yeah. if, if nobody knows who Frank Abagnale is there's a movie called Catch Me If You Can yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Yes. Da Vinci then. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. It's a really cool movie. Um, but it but it's the story of uh, of Frank Abagnale and how he kind of, you know, um hoodwinked his way doing some mm. phenomenal things, social engineering. Um, and you know, ended up working for the FBI really, in terms of, you know, you know, bad guy turned good guy, if that makes sense, that kind of original story. Yeah. But he's but he's, he's a lovely old chap and um, I saw him at a conference and his his leaving advice for everyone was basically don't make it easy for people to steal from you yeah which was really which was really simple advice to follow so when we were talking about like business email compromises and like um what they put on social media and things like that I was just thinking yeah. Claire what are the basic things that businesses can do to prevent themselves from being victims of cybercrime. We've talked about a few things here, but there's yeah. quite, quite a menu of cyber resources that you've got mm -hmm. available to help businesses to ask for. You know, what is that? And is it open to everybody? Yeah, so um, I'll start with the first bit, the, the basic things. Um, essentially, it is back up your data and make sure it's on a removable device. Do that regularly. Um, it should just be part of your kind of routine 
just like, you know, in the days when we were working in the office and, you know, you'd, you'd kind of lock up, you'd set the alarm. It should be as, as natural as that. Um, the same with actually patching, you know, making sure that you've got maybe is it switched on as an automatic thing to update any software and devices that you're using on a regular basis. Because a lot of people don't know that when you get that through on your, your phone or wherever it is, you think it's them updating the performance and the look of it and the design of it. But it's 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 most of the time, you know, it's because they've de- detected a vulnerability and they need yeah. to they need to fix it. They need to stick some, you know, some kind of sticking plasters on it and, you know, make sure that it's all it's all safe. So the cyber criminals can't get in. So, yeah, backing up, um, updating and, you know, patching software. We said earlier, multi-layer authentication or, you know, two factor authentication on accounts, business accounts, email accounts in particular, the email account is the most vulnerable and it's the most lucrative for cyber criminals, both business and personal. If they get into your email account, more than likely they're going to be able to get into other accounts because that's where a lot of our password reset requests come and, you know, things like that. And there's, there's, there'll be sent emails in there that will have really, you know, probably lucrative data that the the, the cyber criminals can use against you. Um, So yeah, just make sure that that's, that's part Um, of your policy. And password managers, Yes. So the advice from the National Cyber Security Centre, which is where we take all of our advice from and our guidance. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, theirs is, yeah, they say you, you know, one of the safest ways is to get your password saved in your browser or use a password manager. Your browser is just a form of password manager. So if you've got a Google account or an Apple account, you'll often see that little pop-up like, would you like us to create a password and save it? Um, but password, but password protects your browser when you log in. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, don't leave that just open for anybody to yeah. use. No. So yes, good, very good point, Helen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, f- for example, for me, um, on a personal note, I, I have a Google account. The password for that Google account I've checked because there is another web- website that we can promote as well, which is um, how strong is your password? Um, yeah. And I've got that and it's, yeah, it, it's ridiculously strong. It tells you how, how long it would take a computer program to, to hack your password. And I think I got to about 23 billion years. Fantastic. Wow. So um, once I've got that in place, then I then let Google create passwords and store them for me because I know that my account is protected with that really, really strong password and two-step security. Um, so for businesses, it, yeah, it's a no-brainer, even if, um, you know, just for individuals. But they need to start making this part of their policies as well. Um, removable devices as well. They should have a policy on whether or not they allow staff to bring in their own devices or removable devices, USB sticks. Like, for example, obviously I work for the police. Um, I have a force-issued USB stick that has got a cord on it. It's encrypted. My laptop will not accept any other USB device but that. Yeah. Um, just so that we don't inadvertently put anything that we shouldn't be onto the, the force network. Yeah. Gosh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. And they're, they're quite easy to get hold of now as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You, were, you were asking about the, the menu of cyber help. Um, yes. Yeah, so we've recently, so um, I know I mentioned earlier that um, I work with my kind of colleagues, counterparts within our regional office and within Durham and, and Cleveland Police. So we work really closely together under the kind of the, the umbrella of the Northeast Cyber Protect Network. Um, and so we've released a kind of a business support 
um, menu that um, businesses can have a look through, which kind of lists all of the, the different things that we can do to support businesses. And it's, it's, it's all free because we're the police, you know. Um, and before I go into the details of what we can offer, it's worth noting, because um, I know you, you mentioned this when we were chatting before, Helen, that this kind of support is available to, to everybody, all businesses within England and Wales. And that's because it's part of a larger kind of national government project. So the organisations who support us is it comes from like GCHQ, the National Crime Agency and the National Cyber Security Centre. Those three organisations will disseminate and filter down advice, intelligence, you know, um, different ways in which we can kind of, you know, engage with businesses and individuals. They'll, they'll give us materials in order to do that. Um, and it was probably about five, six years ago now, but the government realised that, you know, cybercrime was becoming absolutely huge and it was also starting to obviously allow OCGs to commit fraud online as well um, and so they knew that they needed to to kind of you know address this and so they put in place a project which now means that every police force within England and Wales has a dedicated cybercrime investigation team so they will have a team made up of you know very similar staff to what we have here in our region and they will all be in a cluster of a regional operations team as well which was already in place our, our regional operations unit isn't just dealing with cybercrime as I'm sure you can imagine it's dealing with lots of other different covert activities we do have people who are monitoring the dark web um, all the time you know to, to yeah. kind of try and infiltrate anything that's going on there um, and so this uh, you know this kind of support and this free information is available to everybody within England and Wales and it's it's a real shame that a lot of businesses don't know like for example um we contacted um, a lot of businesses after the, the Microsoft Exchange server vulnerability was announced. Um, our colleagues at the, the regional office worked really hard with a piece of software called Shodan. Yeah. And they basically set Shodan away to look for this specific vulnerability on any IP address, which is publicly available, you know, public facing. Yeah. Um, that anybody could see, a hacker can see, um, within the Northeast region. Um, and obviously it gave us back loads and loads of results, um, some of which were outside of our region. And so we obviously contacted our counterparts to get them to contact the businesses within their region. Um, and a lot of them were, were in our region. And I think in total, I think about 62 businesses were, were contacted by the you know, by ourselves or our, our counterparts. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result of that, we obviously got in touch with these businesses, informed them of what was going on, what we'd found, and, you know, they kind of, we advised what they needed to do. We asked them to fill in a, a bit of a kind of feedback questionnaire on, you know, what we'd done and, and whether or not it was worth it. Um, and the reason I say this now is when we asked them about the, the services that we can offer, you know, to the biz businesses in our region, were you aware of it? Um, have you used it at all? About, you know, more than half of them, um, about 75%, I was just looking for, for the figures, didn't know that these free services no. were in place. I know. So what, what can businesses in your region come to you for? So 
we can do a number of different things. So we've got things like cyber talks where we'll just do, we're doing these online anyway now. So we're, we're kind of hosting webinars on a regular basis um, and they're listed on Eventbrite. Um, and I can provide you with like the link because it's all under the, the Northeast Regional Cybercrime Unit kind of title, um, yeah. just makes it easier. So we do different kind of webinars which cover different aspects of um, cybersecurity. So, for example, the National Cybersecurity Centre have loads of free resources on their website, one of which is a small business guide to cybersecurity, a response and recovery guide for businesses to help them get that kind of cyber response policy in place and test it as well. So we'll talk through the contents of that and make sure people understand what it is and where they can get it from the, you know, from the actual website. And um, so we'll do that. We can run exercises as well. So we, um, when we were able to in person, we used to run um, something called decisions and disruptions, which is using Lego mm -hmm. to carry out on a tabletop cyber exercise. And it was so much fun, really well received. Um, everybody loved it. It's a real fun way of actually breaking down those barriers between businesses and cyber crime. Cause we know a lot of people who create, you know, build, start businesses might well have started them when the internet didn't even exist or, you know, cybersecurity is the last thing on their minds and it's an unseen threat. So they tend to kind of bury their heads. So this is just a really good way of getting into a physical world. Um, and we've now actually converted that to an online version so we can deliver it online as well. And we've done that with a few businesses. Um, we can also do something like, a, it's called a cyber basic review. Um, and it's based around five key controls that the government have identified need to be addressed for businesses to be you know protected against cyber attack and it's all part of something called cyber essentials which is a, a checking accreditation um, service that the government have put together as well there's a free part to it and then you can pay to be accredited as well and the five controls are things like making sure you've got your firewall, firewall turned on antivirus is set up it's really basic stuff <laughs> but you wouldn't believe how many businesses just get these you know new equipment software they assume it's all yeah. set up and switched yeah. on. And you know what? If it's not if it's not your forte, if it's not what you're used yeah. to, then it is proper bamboozling. I understand. Absolutely. I understand. But yeah, turn your firewall on. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. So um and then once we've kind of gone past that stage, then we could actually, you know, if we've helped the businesses maybe develop a, a you know, a response plan um to a cyber attack, we can then actually run uh, you know, an actual exercise a real world exercise with them where we oh, run through cool. scenarios and say right okay so this is what's happened um tell us what you need to do and it helps them to to practice it to to run what they call a playbook but it often can help them to realize what they need to actually do where the holes uh, still are that's incredibly valuable isn't it yeah. you know you know i know companies that sell that kind of service yeah. <laughs> at a very expensive markup so you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And like you say, it's it's free. So, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, we can also do th things like what we call a vulnerability assessment, which um, is using a piece of software that cyber criminals use as well to do exactly the same thing, um, which is basically where they're scanning IP addresses, um, public facing IP addresses of businesses to see what vulnerabilities are out there. So, you know, obviously, this Microsoft Exchange server vulnerability will have been, you know, top of the list when they were scanning, but they're doing it all the time. It's pretty much like what a traditional criminal, let's say, would be doing if they were trying to break into a house or into a car. You know, they'd yeah. walk up and down the street, try the door handles and whatever is, is left unlocked, 
they'll they'll go in and take what they want. Yeah. Um, so we essentially do the beginning of that. So we will scan, knock on the doors, see what's open, see what's vulnerable, see what hasn't been patched. Um, but rather than exploiting it, we'll then create a report. It's an industry standard piece of software. Just with the cyber exercises, this kind of service is offered by cybersecurity companies at a cost, but obviously we do it for free. We obviously give the businesses that report, say this is what you need to do to patch these vulnerabilities, and we'll do another follow-up scan in three months' time yeah. just to make sure that you've been, you've been patched. If after that second service, after that second scan, they still want that ongoing service of you know knowing what threats are out there and what they need to do in terms of patching and what the vulnerabilities are there's something called police cyber alarm and that's actually something which is slowly being launched around england and wales so every single police force and regional protect um organization will be able to offer this to businesses eventually and we've been lucky that we've been one of the first ones to uptake on it and again i'll i'll say at the end you know if anybody wants to find out about this there's an email address that they can you know send their inquiries to um and then yeah there's there's just loads and loads of free resources um pdfs to download you know little action guides ticky box things that businesses can do the ncsc have realized they've recognized that you know the businesses need a really easy to follow guide and the good thing is with cybersecurity is it actually is quite easy to follow once you know what you need to do and it doesn't really change that much you know the way in which businesses are being targeted hasn't changed that much mm -hmm. at all over the last five six years it's always been exploiting vulnerabilities or phishing emails spear phishing so if that's the case then the way in which we can protect ourselves once you've done it it's just a case of checking it all the time like mm -hmm. you would with anything else um, so we hope that, you know, as much as we, we don't want to kind of scare businesses, but we need to kind of tell them what the reality is out there, but yeah. off the back of it say, but don't worry because we're here and mm -hmm. it's not going to cost you anything other than a maybe a little bit of time, but yeah. isn't that better than actually losing all your data or yeah. losing your business, which does happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a bit of time and a bit of head scratching and, yeah. um, and yeah, it can be, you know, you've got help basically, haven't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say, my boss, who's worked in cybersecurity for years, he always says that some like 90% of um, incidents um, are just down to the lack of basic cyber hygiene, like you say, like the yeah. fundamentals of decent passwords, patching, backups. And he says, like, there's a, a very small percentage that are very complicated tricky yes. things that you do need specialists to look at he says but majority of stuff is just the basic hygiene which is yeah. all sounds like the kind of things that you offer support in yeah, yeah. absolutely so a bit of frank abidnale everybody don't make yeah. it easy don't make it easy for people to steal from you yes. so, yeah. um so i guess have you have you got a new website did you say so um, oh yeah sorry because yeah. we do you know we've been so busy we've been launching lots of new different things <laughs> i can't keep track of it all um yeah so we've got the we've got the the menu um but we've also got a regional website now so um this is something which is been hosted and, and kind of set up by the northeast regional special operations unit um and it and it provides information not just on the work that we offer um, for businesses, but it also provides really good information and signposting for individuals on, you know, cybersecurity, passwords, how to create strong passwords and, you know, um, setting up 2FA, things like that. Um, and 
there's also a section on you know how you were talking about um frank abagnale and how he was like you know bad guy gone good um there's a whole massive initiative again government supported which um is called cyber choices which my colleague charlotte will be talking about um at, yeah. at another time um which is working with skilled individuals young you know children young adults especially in this day and age when you know children are growing up with technology it's just as is you know normal to them is walking and talking and eating isn't it um and getting them to understand the threats of um you know getting involved in cyber crime what what the risks are but also helping them to understand that actually your skills are what we need and it's a really really lucrative career it's a really well-paid job and you're doing something fantastic and it means that you can sit and just code your life away if that's what you want to do code till your heart's content or you know we have things called ethical hackers where you know these companies that send out the patches they've got people within their business looking for these vulnerabilities they've got the same same skills as the cyber criminals they're just using them for good and getting paid for it you know often with a lot well. of health benefits yeah. and like that from the big businesses so and paid well absolutely yeah the Charlotte's going to come on, isn't it? So Charlotte Nell oh, is going yeah. to have on to talk um, talk to us about that bit. But you and Charlotte yes. are coming back to do another episode with us, aren't you? Yes. So um, we cover what we call the, sounds a bit funny, we get the kids giggling when we say this. We cover the three P's. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giggle, giggle, snigger, snigger. Um, so there are actually four P's when it comes to policing. <laughs> um, the first P is pursue, which is what our detectives look after. The final three are what Charlotte and I work on. And so there is um, something called prepare, which is what I've been speaking about today, which is helping businesses prepare for cyber attacks, put in the security measures they need to, test any response plans they have. There's protect, which is what Charlotte and I are going to come back and talk about. That's where we're com individuals um, communicating with communities and individuals, giving them the, the general advice on what they need to do, which again is all about, you know, making sure that they've got strong passwords on their social media accounts, um, what websites they can go to, you know, we've already discussed them today um, and we do that quite a lot. We're quite active in the, you know, the community kind of providing that advice and to victims as well. And then um, the final one is called Prevent. Now, um, the actual public facing name is Cyber Choices, but we still talk about it as, you know, the three P's because yeah, it gets, gets a bit of a giggle as well, doesn't it? So, um, but uh, yeah, not to be confused with um, the, the kind of counter-terrorism prevent initiative. No. But it, you know, it kind of, it, it makes sense to call it prevent because it's preventing people from getting involved in cybercrime and using their skills for good. Um, so they're the three areas we've covered prepare today. We'll be doing protect next or whenever it is. And Charlotte will be coming on and talking about um, the yeah. cyber choices initiative as well, which is so fantastic. And I'm so happy it's in place because we've had such an amazing response from the people she's engaged with. So yeah, it'll be an okay. interesting one. So there you go, listeners. You've got an extra treat coming. You've got a triple treat <laughs> triple coming. <treat. laughs> so there you go. But no, it's been grand having you on today, Claire. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. No, it's been really good. Like, like Kimberly said before, Claire could talk for hours about this stuff. <laughs> you don't need to have any questions. Just, just hit say go, and she'll go, and I do. So I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. No, it's been brilliant. Yes, lots of wonderful advice and. Um, Yes, it's been wonderful. Thanks, Claire. Oh, just before, 
I go just um I don't think I actually mentioned the email address but I'm guessing you'll probably share it as well but if anybody does want to actually get in touch about any of the services that we provide um it's just nurseuprotect at durham.pnn.police.uk and so it's nurseu which is n-e-r-c-c-u protect which is all one word and then at durham.pnn.police.uk don't worry about the fact it's a Durham police email address. It's just the fact that our regional officers have to sit within a police force and they sit with Durham, but it, it yeah. comes through to all of us. Right. Yeah. I saw it on the um, the, the flyer you shared. Yes. So I'll, get, I'll get it off there properly and as well. It. Fantastic. So that's fab. So I guess the last thing is to say, you know, I think Kimberly and I have had a chat and we've decided that, that NERCU is going to be the cyber hero for this podcast oh, episode. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, grand yeah. work that you guys all do. But uh, but if you're listening outside of the northeast region, I know Claire did say it that you know um, the, the cyber crime units are national. You know that yes. they serve England and Wales. So if you're not in the northeast, then don't worry, there is one near you. Yeah, and we can put them in touch with the, the relevant person. So yeah, so so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. My pleasure. <laughs>